Welcome everyone to this podcast. This is Marty Shupak. I'm broadcasting from the studios up in Valley Cottage, New York, about 27 miles north of New York City. And this is for T-Ball America and for the Youth Sports Club. And tonight's topic is how much is too much as far as when are we going to expose our kids to baseball and softball and other sports for that matter. And I'll, I'll tell you as a parent, um, I'm as guilty as anyone else. When my oldest son was born, I could not wait to get him out of the uh, crib and onto the baseball field. And um, I might have done a little too much too soon. But uh, I want to go over some aspects of that, of this, not only as a coaches, but as parents, a lot of things I touch upon are parenting. Uh, you know, I have three kids that are grown now. I've done some good stuff with my kids and I've done some lousy stuff. And uh, you never stop being a parent no matter how old they are. And um, I'll find that uh, as parents, we tend to try to be I don't know if the word is overzealous. We want our kids to be better than us, to have better opportunity, to have more money than we had, to have a bigger house, maybe a bigger car. And in essence, as far as baseball and softball, I do clinics around the country, and I come across different scenarios of, of mostly fathers, some mothers, but... The um, typical scenario I come across is there's really a few of them, but the two most common is the former athlete who was an athlete in high school and or college, and he might have blown out his knee or blown out his arm. He might have been a, a or he thought he was a major league prospect. And the other uh, scenario is a parent who, or father who maybe got interested in baseball a little later on in his childhood, and he always regretted that his father or his older brother didn't spend enough time with him playing ball. So he doesn't want to make the same mistake. And just like myself, he can't wait to get his son or daughter out of the crib and onto the baseball diamond. We have to be very careful, though, when we do, do this. And there's a number of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons I look at and I see is that we have structured time and we have unstructured time for kids. I can only tell you as an observer, and if you're a parent of young kids, you would know this better than me, but I see that we tend to have the kids more involved in structured situations and unstructured situations. By that I mean is they go into karate lessons, they go into um, piano lessons, they go into little league, they go into baseball, softball, and you know when you do this, and we all know we're living out of the car, um, the uh, washer and dryer never stop. We do a little bit uh, too much fast food, but what's missing, I find, from a lot of kids is this unstructured. Uh, process of being imaginative where kids 
can be spontaneous and, and they could play with themselves or with other kids and they can create games. And I'll just give you an example. When I was young, my oldest brother Howard and I, he created a game, it was called Era, where we would throw tennis balls on the roof. We would be right next to where, under the gutter and we would have two boundary lines. You'd throw it up and before the ball, the ball would come off or the ball would also get stuck in the gutter, which my dad would have to go up there like every month and clean out tennis balls. But if it made it past the gutter, you'd have to catch it before it hit the ground. And then once you caught it, you'd throw it up. And you weren't allowed to look at it. You had to react when it came off the gutter. It, we spent hours playing this game. And I just see young kids aren't doing these uh, spontaneous creative games like used to be done either with your parents or now even your grandparents. Now, of course, in these times... It, times are a lot, of, a lot different than they were. And for instance, it's harder to let our kids play alone in an isolated area. We always want to be with them. We always want to have some sort of supervision, which is, which is good, which is necessary. But still, kids can be creative and spontaneous with themselves. Now, with that said, I am going to give you about oh, I don't know, five or six different little basic drills you could do with your kids when they're very young if you're a lover of baseball and if you're a lover of softball. I've done them all. Uh, my kids seem to have loved it. And because they're so young, they don't do it too long. Remember, their attention span is, uh, is not that long. It's limited. But one of the things I recommend is, and you'll see them in stores, whether it's uh, Kmart, Walmart, or online at Amazon. If you get a hold of one of these big red bats, plastic bats, which I had about two or three, I find that these things are excellent for really young kids. And the first game I played with uh, my two boys and my daughter was a game I called Bubble Hit. What I did was they would be holding the plastic bat and I would start blowing bubbles. I would get down low. As I blow them, I would back up because the bubbles, they rise up as they come out of the bubble maker. Okay, if you could picture that. Of course, they either break or they go up. Not too many of them go down. And I start backpedaling and I have my uh, kid, you have your son and daughter, take that red bat and have him swing it, trying to break the bubbles. We spent hours upon hours doing this and the kids loved it. One of the things you have to uh, really take into account is you're not so concerned about the way, the way they hold the bat at that young age, whether it's gonna be two and a half, three and a half, or even four. You want to. You just want them to experience the activity, the eye hand or hand eye eye contact, eye hand contact of the bat hitting the bubbles and breaking the bubbles. Don't worry about the form of the swing. Don't worry about if they they're hitting the bubbles on the backswing. It's just the action that you want them to do, um, and they'll have a lot of fun doing it. Another activity which I did which was very similar, I took some balloons 
about uh, anywhere between four and seven. I blew them up beforehand, and I tried to keep them in a little bucket, and I did the same thing. They would hold the red plastic bat, and I would toss them, and they'd have to hit it before it hit the ground, and I explained it to them. Again, we did this, and you'll say, well, Coach Marty, at what age did you do this? I'll tell you, I remember with my middle son, I think we did it when he was like two and a half or even three. My oldest son, we did it a little bit older. He was like three and a half, four. My daughter, we did it again about three and a half, four. So you could try You don't want to force them or, or put some sort of um, um, stringent um, obligations on their part that they have to hit it. Make it fun. And the one thing I would tell you about these two activities is that, and any activities, if you show enthusiasm, your kids will show enthusiasm. It's the same thing when you're coaching a team. If you are going to show enthusiasm at practice, your team will have enthusiasm too. If you're going to run a practice where you're doing it just because you're there, the kids are pretty smart. They'll, they won't be enthusiastic about it, and they'll go through it you know, at their own paces. All right, here's another uh, activity for young kids. Um, I did something called a tissue hit. Okay, this is something I created. And what I did was this. If you ever go to like a hardware store or a grocery store and you see the, these have these extension, get, getting these, uh, something off the shelf, I forgot what you call it. I got a hold of one of those at a Home Depot. And I held it away from my body. It had a tissue in it. And I opened it up. I let the tissue go down. And my son had to hit it with the red bat before it hit the ground. And he'd swing back and forth, back and forth. They enjoyed this a lot. And it, it, it worked out uh, very well. Okay. Um, another item uh, uh, activity for really, really young kids, which we did, we, I would take the plastic bags that you get at the grocery store, though they're going to eliminate them, at least in this area. And I'd crunch them up. I'd put my hand out, and I'd try to I'd drop it, and they'd have to swing the plastic back and hit it. Again, this is another activity that they really liked. One other thing you could do, which I did, is that in the autumn, when the leaves were coming down off the trees... I would take my sons or my daughter outside with a bat, plastic bat again, and I'd have them try to hit the leaves before they hit the ground. This is an activity that they love. And again, it's a seasonal activity in different parts of the country, but nevertheless, it's something that the kids get stimulated with. Uh, another... Uh, activity and now this is something where if you've seen any of my material as far as practices with people or very young kids I've used this technique and I recommend it but before I get into that because it involves a kickball another hitting uh, activity I did I don't even want to call it a drill is with the big red plastic back bat I'd roll one of those plastic balls that you see in front of the toy stores. And on the ground, 
My son or daughter would have to hit it with the bat. This worked out great also. The other activity I started to mention is I would take the batting tee. And for young kids, it's extremely difficult to hit a ball off of a batting tee. I would take the uh, plunger, a clean bathroom plunger, cheap. You could buy the ones with the small handle, which in my hardware store, Home Depot, is about buck twenty-five. Turn it upside down, put it in the batting tee, and on it I would place a the plastic kickball, and then they would have to hit it off the tee. Now remember, you're doing this in your backyard or at your school. You're not doing it with a team. You're not doing it in a league. Okay. The reason I'm saying is that it doesn't matter where your son or daughter are standing. You're just giving them the opportunity at success. They hit the ball off the plunger any way they can. At that, this point, at their age, if it's two and a half or three and a half, the first couple of times, you don't have to correct how they're holding the bat at all. Again, you want the goal to be to hit the ball off the batting tee and off the plunger. Don't worry about technique. You can work on that after two or three times. Okay? So, <clears throat> I hope I answered your question. I'm going to get into a couple of quick tips for you, which I try to do at every podcast. And uh, you'll say, okay, those are pretty good drills. You'll say, Marty... What age do you want to do? try those drills? It's entirely up to you. You could decide at what age you want to bring them outside, give them the bat, try some of those drills. You'll know if they're stimulated by it. And if they're not, I suggest you move on to a different activity. Okay? You don't want to really uh, make it like eating vegetables. You want to give them an opportunity but see if they like it. And if they like it, they'll play it for hours. Okay? A couple of quick tips as a parent coaches or coaches. Um, when um, you get your team together to talk to them, my tip, which a lot of you probably know, if the sun is out and the team is facing the sun, turn everyone around. You always want the coach the parent, to be facing the sun. And the reason being, if the team is facing the sun while you're talking to them, you'll see they'll put their hands up by their eyes. They won't be paying attention to you. So always you face the, the sun as a coach. Another quick tip, I would do this every year. I would take a piece of cardboard, I'd put a hole in it, and then... Now, the cardboard would be, let's say, like 18 inches by 18 inches. I'd have one, at the end of one practice, I had a can of uh, red spray paint. I'd have everyone on the team include, that had a bat, including our team bats, one by one, and I'd have other parents help me. The kids won't be near it. I'd put the base of the, um, the handle of the bat through the hole, and then I'd spray paint the bottom of the knob red. I did this to every bat on my team. The reason I did this was I wanted some sort of identification if the bat somehow ended up in another team's uh, equipment bag. You want to have an identification uh, where you know it's your 
your team's bat or an individual on your team. One year I found uh, other teams saw me do it and they started doing it. And I went over to the league and I said, listen, if other teams are going to do it, if they like the idea, which is fine, just give every team their own color. You don't want to have two teams have red or two teams have blue. I mean, a can of spray paint is like five ninety-five. It's nothing, but it's counterproductive if you're having two teams that have the same color. So, um, actually, my league they didn't want to do that. They said that you know it's uh, it's defacing equipment, which I thought was ridiculous. And to be honest with you, I did it anyway because I wanted the identification. The third tip, okay, uh, and especially the other kids, uh, a team newsletter. When you have your parents' meeting at the beginning of the season, and by the way, you have to have a parents' meeting, okay? Ask at the parents' meeting if there's anyone that wants to write the team newsletter. And I promise you, if you have 12 sets of parents there, you'll get at least one parent that will jump forward volunteering. And what we do is this. You will tell that parent that we want to have three newsletters for the season. One will be done one-third through the season, one will be done uh, two-thirds through the season, and one will be done at the end of the season. And the prerequisite is you tell the parent the newsletter will have cover about three or four games. Every newsletter has to mention every player's name on the team something they did good. If there's a player that doesn't know baseball from a baseball bat, you could put down Billy Hustle from second to third when we were playing the Blue Hens. Put everyone's name, and most important, do not make this an e-newsletter, email. Make it a one-page hard copy newsletter. And I'll tell you the reason for it. A lot of the grandparents that live in retirement communities in Florida or in Arizona, when the parents send them the newsletter, they can't wait at the clubhouse or at the pool to show their friends and neighbors their sons or daughters' names. I promise you, do not waste your time if you're going to do this with an email newsletter, make it a hard copy. All you got to make is like 20 copies. Make it on one page. I promise you, you're going to have at least one or two parents that have some sort of a self-publishing software that they'll make a nice little newsletter. It's not a lot of time. And you want, again, you want to mention every player's name at least once. Well, that's about it. I hope I gave you some ideas about, you know, if you're going to... Um, how young is too young as far as starting with baseball and softball? It's really up to you. Give them some unstructured time. Don't overdo it and don't do it too much. Make sure you diversify. Don't focus on just one sport as your child starts to get older. And I want to talk about now also make sure you check out tballamerica.com, devoted just to tball, or youthsportsclub.com. And we'll have more content on. And our new book is out, 
T-board, T-ball drills, and I just want to take a moment to let you know that this book I've worked on in a long time, it has 110 creative drills, it has 25 sample practices. This book, I promise you, you will have a better season with your son, daughter, or T-ball team if you read this book or get it. It's available at Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble. You can check your local library. Ask them if they don't have it. If you go to a website, www.tballbook.com, that's tballbook.com, you'll be able to get it. So for Marty Shupak and T-Ball America, thanks for listening. Until next time.